This is The Culture Code with Kevin Cruz, founder and CEO of LeadX, the platform that helps you scale and sustain a high-performance culture. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Cruz. Welcome back to another episode of The Culture Code. Our guest today is the Chief People Officer at Aperion, Addie Johnson. Addie, welcome. Where are you joining from today? Hi, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me. I am joining you today just north of Boston on the East Coast. Now, in just a minute, we're going to do a deep dive into your culture, but set the context. Where has Aperion landed on the whole issue of back to work? Absolutely. Hybrid would describe us best. Hybrid sliding towards fully remote in some of our locations. We are about 65 full-time people located around the globe and Mm -hmm. seven different countries, 10 different states in the U.S. So by nature of what we do, most of our work is remote anyway. So our time in the office is spent more to connect, to socialize. But most of us are 80% plus remote, if not fully remote, with the organization. And for people who aren't familiar with Aperion, what do you guys do? Well, our mission is to bridge boundaries through deeper understanding of ourselves and others. And we do that through our platform, Aperion, which is a learning platform for growing cultural competence and inclusion within and beyond the workplace. So our platform offers assessments, live instructor-led training, self-paced learning, and additional tools for individuals to develop better awareness of ourselves and others, that teams can collaborate more inclusively. We've been around for over 30 years. And as I mentioned, we're a smaller global organization. Uh, So a lot of the challenges that our clients face in working across time zones, cultures, wanting to build more inclusive global spaces, we understand we we live that and need to practice and walk the talk ourselves every day here at Aperion. Now, given what you do, I would venture a guess that your team members are very mission-driven, your your culture is driven by a sense of purpose. But how would you describe your culture to an outsider such as myself? Mission-driven, absolutely, as you just called out, is, is first of mind. Tied to that is being globally-minded, so really thinking outside of ourselves, and authentic. It's always been very important to us that our insides match our outsides. We are who we say we are. We're really connecting not just our intent and what we do and how we do it, but the impact of our actions as well. You can see that I am taking a lot of notes and, and I have an ear for language and I really like what you said. It's, it's about intent, not just impact. Now, good culture doesn't happen by accident. So tell us, how are you fostering and sustaining this culture? Great question. And not too surprising, it comes back to our values and being really deeply rooted in our values tied with our mission, of course. We fortunately went through um, a really great period the past several months of taking another deeper look at our values. To your point, we do have a lot of folks here that have been here 10, 15 years, myself over 17 now. So really taking a deep look at not only who we have been, who we are now, but also who we want to be. So it's given us a really important opportunity to ensure that our values are very clear, they're intentional, and they're not just 
something that looks good on a website or a job description, but is really deeply embedded into all of our processes, policies, recruitment. It really touches every portion of the employee life cycle. So that means as a new hire, you're really connected to our values. You know what they are and what they mean to you in your day-to-day work and how they actually show up and can help you solve problems. They're in our performance management systems. It's having us take the opportunity to think about values that maybe we're really exhibiting well. And what are some that we might want to lean into a little bit more and might offer a growth edge for us. But really thinking through our values and all that we do, that is our root, that is our foundation. And our values certainly speak to the culture. Again, who we are today, but also who we want to be. Now, when it comes to culture and engagement, you know, I firmly believe the role of the manager, especially the frontline manager, is critical. You know, they're, they're the filter of everything. Gallup says about 70% of the variance in engagement is tied back to who our manager is. And you're a relatively small company, so I know you don't have a big leadership development department in place. So what are some of the ways that you're developing and supporting your managers? Well, you're right. As a smaller organization, by nature, we don't have entire departments set up to provide that formal training necessarily. However, we've been able to prioritize setting our managers up for success when they first enter that management career path. All of our managers right now at Aperion started off as individual contributors. So as they start down that management path, they already have a sense of relationship and credibility with their teams. They actually understand what their teams are doing because they've been in that role themselves. So starting them off on the right foot is really helpful. Access to our tools and training is really important. So as a a provider of, of products and services to our clients, we're helping our clients understand how to provide feedback across cultures, for example, how to build psychological safety within a global team. So we're ensuring that our managers, our internal teams have access to that same training and content so that again, we're walking the talk. Because of our size, we do also have the advantage where we can offer one-on-one coaching with myself and other experts in the organization. We have very few intact teams. Most of our teams are remote. They're globally dispersed. So having a mentor in another cultural location that can provide really important insight to our managers about managing across cultures and working with different work styles has been really, really helpful. So most of that learning, while it's not in a formal process per se, it's on the job in real moments and real challenges that come up uh, that they're able to learn and grow. You mentioned a couple of things I think really are great reminders to to HR folks uh, everywhere in any size organization. You know, you talk about how so many managers have been promoted from within. And it made me remember um, my friend, retired uh, Marine Corps General Ron Bailey. He used to say, you know, leadership was about character and competence. And you could have all the integrity and, and character, but if you didn't have some minimal amount of competence, then your Marines weren't going to follow you, especially in battle. And so the people stuff is paramount, but it sure helps to be a subject matter expert. You know, it, it builds credibility, almost instant credibility to for someone to know that you've walked in their shoes. And it's a great reminder that coaching, mentoring, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. You don't always have to hire a vendor to do it. 
you can lean on your internal experts, your, your internal successful leaders to guide and develop others. Now, you've shared a lot of different programs and initiatives already. Is there anything else you want to sort of put a special spotlight on? Yes. Uh, there's probably two that that have come up in the past year in particular. One is is based around our values and ensuring, again, that they're not just something that looks good on a website, that folks really understand what they mean and how they can be used as a tool to solve challenges that come up in the workplace. So we had our departments go through team by team and do an indexing exercise for each of our values. So take a look at the value. For example, stay curious and keep learning. What does that value look like when maybe we're not living it enough? Maybe we're not asking questions. We're not taking the initiative to stay on top of trends in our industry. But also, what does it look like in excess when we're so curious that maybe we're starting to shift into shiny object syndrome and we're not focusing on what we also need to get done in our work? So really having every person in the organization understand what those values look like over and under and when they're done just right in our roles. So we were able to roll that out across our organization this year and are embedding that moving forward in our performance management system as well. So we're really proud of that. And the second initiative tied to culture, two of our values are trusting each other and taking ownership. So as a management team, we wanted to try something called Refresh Fridays, where we have all of our local offices end 1pm on Friday afternoons. So allow folks to start their weekends a bit early, come back more refreshed on Monday. That was a scary thing to do. We're shortening the work week. How will that impact our productivity? How will that impact teams working across time zones? But we really had to focus on those values. Do we trust each other to get work done? And will folks be accountable for their work? And we believe that folks will. So that was an opportunity for us to really put those values uh, into practice this year through that new initiative. How long have you had the Refresh Fridays uh, rolled out now? We started them earlier in the summer. So it was an interesting experiment to see how it works in the summer when folks already have some vacation planned in certain parts of the world. But we also recognized that was the busiest period and quarter for our product development team and our marketing team. So they weren't necessarily able to take advantage of it so much. So now that we're going into the last quarter where they can take their breath a little bit, it's more challenging for our sales team and closing out into the year initiatives as well. So... We're going through an iterative process you know, with this policy, collecting feedback as we go, making sure that our intent to reward employees and allow them to feel refreshed is actually matching the impact. But we've had wonderful feedback so far. So again, we're constantly iterating, fine-tuning uh, to be able to keep this policy in place. I want to go back and, and mine some gold out of, of, of what you said, make sure everybody really heard it. I love the fact that you take an assessment-driven approach and you know you spotlighted that you can under-index on values, but you can also over-index, you know, sort of over-rotate on your swing. So it's a good reminder that all of our strengths can also be derailers if we're not aware of the fact that we could lean into them a little bit too much. I have very high openness in terms of my mindset, and that's usually good. I'm curious and, and uh, innovative in, in general. Love ideas, but I could also lean so much into that I'm always, you know, have my head in the clouds and I'm not practical or not doing any real work. So it's helpful for people to remember that. 
Yeah. And I want to add on that a little bit in terms of our particular approach to work style preferences, for sure, there are personality differences that come in and can impact um, how we make decisions, how we see the world, what biases we may come in with. But our approach in looking at differences or different aspects of diversity, as well as work style preferences, there's not one that's better or worse than the other. It's more understanding that we have different approaches. What are those differences? And what are some concrete strategies to bridge those differences, to bridge those different work styles? So you might have folks that are really engaged by taking risks, and that gets them excited. And then you have folks that are more comfortable with certainty, and risk can make them more uncomfortable. There isn't one that's good or bad. For sure, anything in excess can cause trouble. But being able to understand the value that each of these work styles can bring to the workplace, really respecting that, embracing that, that's what's going to build a workplace with more inclusion and belonging. Love it. Just love it. So as you know, this is a short format podcast, and we've come to that part where I hit you with some more rapid fire questions, beginning with, imagine you could send a book or a podcast to all your employees and they were guaranteed to sort of consume it and internalize it. What would you send them? Well, we do send one <laughs> to everyone that we, we really want them to live, embrace, um, and dig deep into and that is inclusive leadership. It is written by our, our founder, Dr. Ernest Gunling, and co-written by our colleague, Dr. Cheryl Williams. It's really, really overwhelming to where you're at in your own journey to become more inclusive. How can I, as an individual, contribute to a workplace and even beyond the workplace to my family, to my community? to inspire others to be more inclusive. And the book's approach is looking at it, starting with the individual, what are specific behaviors that you can change mm -hmm. that will have a larger impact. So it makes it practical, <laughs> more doable, again, at the individual stage and seeing what large impact can start just from you, the individual. But coupled with that, I think a good partner book to that, um, of course, is Adam Grant. Think again, it's all about being flexible and thinking and taking what you think is the truth and your preset notion of something and going, is that true? Is that right? And that is really in a critical approach to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. What is my perception? What biases are coming in? What can I relearn? Uh, and what can I think about differently? Great recommendation. So, Addie, how long have you been in your role now? I have been in a version of this role probably about six, seven years, a department of one as a member of our leadership team, about seven years now. Okay. So now imagine that you could send a message to a younger version of yourself. What's something that you know now that you wish you knew back on day one? It's so important to have good partners and good vendors that obviously provide great products that make your life easier. You're more productive but to seek partners and vendors that have shared values. It can be lonely in a CPO position and any HR position. And you can develop really wonderful partnerships and mentorships with vendors, getting creative through your network, but really thinking not only about the product that they're offering, but the values that they have as well. So I have wonderful partners in place now that I'm so grateful for and really focusing on their values as well um, has been something I've learned recently, the, the importance of. 
I'm certainly glad you mentioned that. You know, both of our companies are vendors to others. And while nobody wants to be sold to all the time and nobody, you know, likes a transactional pitch, the best vendors out there are really talking to a lot of, of people and can be a great resource for new ideas, case studies, and, and problem solving. So here we are, we're in November, we're doing this interview November of 2023. So the new year's upon us. Addie, what's your focus gonna be? What are you gonna lean into for next year? I'd say my priorities are aligned also with our development, our roadmap too, for, for our platform or product. You know, as we look ahead to 2024, there is more conflict. There are more barriers, more boundaries everywhere in the world right now. And yeah. our mission is to break those down and to give folks the tools to, to bridge. So it feels very hopeful to be in a position that can help. And I internally am looking forward to using our platform more to give more ownership to individuals on their learning journey, meet them where they're at, provide more formal education through our platform for managers or people managers. And we'll be able to do that externally too, because it is hard as a department of one or department of 50 even to know where to start and how to really help your employees along their learning journey, especially around inclusion. Uh, so I'm excited to focus more on that internally, use more of our own products internally and be able to reach a wider audience externally as well. So it sounds like the internal and external priorities are aligned. Thanks for taking the time today to share with me and your peers some great ideas for fostering great culture. Chief People Officer at Aperion, Addie Johnson. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Culture Code Podcast. Are you looking to build, refine, or revamp a training program? We team up with companies like Northwestern Mutual, Cineos Health, and Duck Creek Technologies to roll out highly engaging training series for emerging leaders, new managers, women in leadership, high potential managers, sales enablement, and more. Check it out at leadx.org. What makes these series so uniquely engaging? We help you build a full system of development that leverages our cutting edge platform and world-class training. We blend together world-class cohort-based virtual training and group coaching, personalized nudges, micro-learning, and on-demand office hour style coaching. Go check it out at leadx.org.